opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everybody. This is Blind Pride International, and I am Byron Lee. And tonight we are doing Wednesday Wonders, which is a program all about science fiction. And we have uh, a few panelists here, plus a huge group full of uh, Trekkies and and uh, Star Wars fans and 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 bookworms and all sorts of other sci-fi people. Uh, in the room with us. So uh, this is going to be a bit of uh, more of an open discussion sort of thing. But uh, JD, Matt, and myself are going to go over some of our favorites, and then we will go around the room and ask everyone what their favorite sci-fi books, TV shows, and um, movies are, and if they have things they want to talk about as far as sci-fi, like, where's the bathroom on the Enterprise? (laughs) Then we're going to (laughs) find out. So, um, I guess I'm going to start off with my favorite TV yeah. sci-fi series, and then I'll go down the down the list of people here. So, for for me, my top five, and this is Byron, not quick. I'm sure. sorry to to cut you off. This is Gabe. Hi, Gabe. I just wanted to really quickly. Uh, most of you know me. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Gabriel Lopez Capari, president of BPI. Yes, we have a treat for you tonight these guys are just amazing i'm not a sci-fi fan but i know that you are with the authority of authorities <laughs> um three members byron lee mr john denning jd and um one of our newest ally members he cited uh matt schwartz um and uh we, we want you to enjoy unfortunately anthony and i have other family and work commitments that we cannot stick around but Guys, trust us, you are in the best hands and you're going to have a fun discussion. We'll try to tune in as we're done with our commitments or we'll be listening on ACB radio. So have fun and go sci-fi <laughs> yay we will and thank you for giving us this platform to to hang out in of course and, no absolutely yeah. absolutely and byron then, if, if if i leave now that you're host is it okay i think I it will, think be, it okay, will right? be you know if there's okay. a okay, uh, anthony's confirming that it will be fine okay so i'll leave and we'll tune in occasionally as as sounds good and if there's a tear in the space time continuum we'll let you know (laughs) okay awesome all right there you go thank you gabriel awesome guys and gals everyone have fun all right sounds good we will and gabriel is gonna uh later on they're gonna do a presentation about uh like dramas and comedies and stuff and i know that that's much more gabe's jam so i'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say about his favorite uh, media um all right so my favorite sci-fi tv series you know these are these are tv shows not movies or books and they're not in any particular order but i'm a huge fan of doctor who i have tardises all over my house they are littered all over my office i'm a huge fan and of course, following Doctor Who, I, I should tell you guys what Doctor Who is about just briefly. It is about a an alien who travels through time and space, and his time machine happens to look like a British call box. It's a blue box with a, a light on top of it, and it's what they used to put. Um, they used to have a telephone on the outside of the box, and if you were having problems, you could pick up one of those phones and call the police. And inside the box, I don't know if they kept people in there or if they kept supplies in there. Does anybody know anything about the history of the police call box? 
Uh, yes, they would actually put somebody there until they can be picked up by, say, like a padded wagon. <laughs> yeah, so like an officer would maybe use that as a temporary uh, holding yeah, area. Stuff you in the box. Oh, no. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so the doctor would, uh, you know, find companions throughout time and space and bring them along with him on his adventures. And um, eventually, William Hartnell uh, had to bow out of the series. And so they figured, well, what do we do? Do we just end it here? Or do we figure out some way to keep this series going? And so um, they ended up using regeneration, um, at, you know, to, to be able to have somebody else take over. And so we've had, well, officially, I think we've had like 13 doctors, but then because of some time warps and, you know, it, uh, there's, I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody, but there's more than 13. We're not going to go into, into why, because that'll spoil things. No spoilers, sweetie. But uh, that's a little bit about Doctor Who. The, <clears throat> the other one that I loved was a British uh, TV series, a little mini series uh, of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, written by Douglas Adams, and a little bit of side trivia there. Um, Douglas Adams has written several episodes for Doctor Who, so go Douglas Adams. One of my uh, favorite TV wow, shows. I didn't know that. Yeah, you didn't know that. Oh, yeah, he's. No. You should check out. There's a a lost episode called Shada S H A D A. And uh, Big Finish is a organization that does audio dramas based on Doctor Who. And the, some of the stuff is uh, old scripts that kind of got reworked into audio dramas. And um, Shada, written by Douglas Adams, was one of those. So, um, one of the other sci-fi shows that I loved was Quantum Leap, which was uh, a show that I would come home every day to and watch after school. And I must have watched that go around a couple of times. Scott Bakula who is also the captain of the Starship Enterprise in the Star, Star Trek series Enterprise. Scott Bakula played Sam Beckett, who uh, is going back in time to put what to put right what once was wrong. And uh, that was a great show. And right after that was Sliders. Sliders was a, a, a show where people would go from dimension to dimension to parallel universes and parallel Earths. So they might be on a regular Earth, and then they move to an Earth where, um, you know, uh, the Confederacy won the Civil War. Or they show up on an Earth where the women are in power and the men are kind of subservient slaves <laughs> and um so it's an interesting show of all the different strange things that can happen in the world um so let's see uh jd do you want to tell us about some of your favorite sci-fi tv shows sure um generally i don't do a list of favorites because there's so many i like and i will concurrently like so i i just sort of hate like somebody asking what's your favorite food well yeah gosh it depends what day of the week it is um but 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 but, but, but. i'm going to do a list uh top of the list is going to be babylon five Ooh. I mean, it was just done brilliantly it was consistent there were scenes from season four in season one because they filmed it so they could do that. There was no inconsistencies in the story whatsoever, and the acting was great, and, and I just loved the characters. Probably watched all episodes a dozen times by now. I tried really hard to get into sci-fi, and as you can tell from my list, I like the campy stuff. Um, you know, Doctor Who and the Hitchhiker's Guide, you know, the stuff with comic relief. But um, I, I need to, now that I'm older... I need to sit down and watch Babylon 5 because I didn't like Stargate Universe or Stargate SG-1 when it first 
came out because I wasn't into the whole milita- militarization of you know sci-fi. Um, and then I got older and I liked I liked Stargate, so I'm gonna have to give well, that one a try again. It's true that sometimes you approach something once and you ah, and you approach it another time and you're in a different frame of mind. You yeah, what was I saying the first time? What was I thinking? But, uh, B5 does have its humor, definitely. It seems like they would do sometime a really deep, serious episode, and then another episode is a lot, a lot lighter, sort of like Star Trek did with the Trouble with Tribbles, you know, mm-hmm. hardly hardcore science. Right, you know, that, of course. That, that, that was comic relief, and, and you know, but uh, I, I love it when they do that, bring humor to the characters because it rounds out the characters. You, you have this real person. Not just this militaristic, yeah, dark. You know. I, so, so that is on the top of my science fiction list. Um, let's see what. Okay, another one, and this one I doubt anybody's going to know, except maybe Byron. <laughs> Blake Seven. <laughs> oh yes, yes, a British, another British thing. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, this was from the seventies. And they ended it horribly. Just, oh, oh my Sliders God. ended it, it badly, a, too. It, it was yeah. a story, but it, it, it wasn't ending. But it was, no, no, no. Um, but I loved it. I loved the Paul Darrow, the, uh, the main character. And I have not found it available. I mean, you can pull episodes from YouTube, but I've not found a, a legitimate source for it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, otherwise I would buy the. I can't remember how. That's kind of crazy that that doesn't have anything legitimate as far as because I mean, Big Finish also did Blake's seven audio dramas, which were really good. That's yeah. how I found out about them about Blake's seven. So yeah, it, it has a following, and it is that campy thing. The, the special effects are horrible. It's mm-hmm. low budget. You know, very reminiscent but the stories of were the good. Early, yeah, uh, Doctor Who, mm-hmm. but. The stories were good. They were more about about the people, the characters, and their their drama and their lives and what, what was happening to them. Uh, so that would be another one I like. And then you can name pretty much any, you know. Yes, all the I I, I grew up with Star Trek. Of, of course. course, I mean, I remember seeing the very first episode on TV, and that was you know a, a ritual I had. No, nobody messed with me when it was Star Trek night, and. Um, Oh boy, I, I grew up with Time Tunnel and I, I love that. That's campy and, and some crazy episodes and some some serious episodes and uh, I really love that. That was definitely sixties sci-fi and, and that's still available now. Yeah, that was definitely oh, a weird show and course, I like the yeah. big long spirally tunnel thing. Yeah. 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 The the uh, the visual effects for the day the you know what they created. <laughs> Well, yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, it was a, a typical Irwin Allen production. Oh, totally. And that would be, you know, you can name any other TV series, and I probably watched it and loved it, like <laughs> Fringe and, and and the ones you mentioned. And, you know, they're all all great. But those would be, you know, that B five particularly is my go to TV series. So so let's alienate people because I've already alienated anyone who liked Babylon Five by saying, "Oh, I couldn't get into it." So, can you name a sci-fi show that you tried to watch and everybody raves about it, and you're just like, "Meh, I can't get into this." The early Doctor Who, I never. Oh, the classic Who! How dare you! How dare you! (laughs) (laughs) I saw one episode once, and he had a thing of uh, of um. Oh, vegetable in his lapel. Oh, the, the um, celery in his, in the stock of celery on his cricket. Celery, uniform. celery. And I thought, yeah. okay, come on, there's something wrong with this series. <laughs> yeah, that, it is definitely weird. That. 
Yeah. Well, um, what about you, Matt? Tell us about some of your favorite sci-fi TV series. Yeah. So I don't watch, I mean, I, I, I grew up, of course, watching Star Trek and, um, and Space 1999. Ah, uh, yeah. doesn't really hold up that oh, yeah. well, but it's kind of, a, oh, yeah. kind of a fascinating, it's still a fascinating show. I mean, it's still a weird, it's a weird, fascinating show, but, um, but it's actually stuck in my mind. Um, the, it's crazy that you mentioned Sliders, which actually is one of my favorite shows of all time, which is, and again, I'm not even the biggest sci-fi buff. I'm more horror, but Sliders I found fascinating um, and just enough serialized that I wouldn't kick myself if I missed an episode, but you still were invested in the characters. Um, but I think for me, the, um, you know, I mean, as someone who loves books and stories, um, I mean, the Twilight Zone is my favorite, and weirdly enough, I'm I'm probably one of the only people in the world um, who actually thinks the 1980s version of the Twilight Zone is even better, mostly because they were able to not care about um, – they were able to not care – uh, because it was an hour and they had multiple stories in each episode, they were able to have every story be exactly as long as it should be. So if a story yeah. was five minutes long, it would be five minutes long, as opposed to the originals, where especially those hour-long episodes <sighs> felt padded. Um, and the outer limits as well for oh, you know for a darker take the, on it. The new one or um, the older one? Did you, did you the, like the, the, the original older. outer limits for me? The original outer limits for me, and then. For Twilight Zone, the original Twilight Zone and the 80s Twilight Zone, not so much the last couple incarnations of Twilight Zone, the, yeah. uh, the 90s or the one even from last year, which I wasn't a big fan of. Um, but the, um, you know, so I think, um, so I think those, those self-contained stories really did it for me, which, again, probably lends to why I do like Slider so much, which is there was enough self-contained there um, and, you know, some humor as well. Um, and so I think that's kind of where, um, you know, where my, uh, where my, where my real love is. Um, and outside of that, I would say just probably because of the age I was, and we mentioned this last week as well, is the TV movies and subsequently the series, which flaked out for V, um, at least got me in the direction of looking more at kind of alien invasion books and series and movies um, again, even though I didn't think they quite knew what to do with it once they, uh, once they went to a TV show. Um, but those are probably my favorites. Um, but Twilight Zone, Outer Limits are definitely things I still watch over and over to this day. What um, about some, what about some things that, uh, you know, sort of bring horror and sci-fi together a little more? Um, can you think of anything that stands out? I mean, movies of- for, I mean, movies for me, I mean, less in terms of TV shows, um, you know, I think, um, I mean, I think V at least went in that direction in that it was, it was a pretty grim, pretty grim setup. Um, even if it was a little more, you know, you know, good versus evil, but I mean, you know, my, I mean, most of my influences in terms of, of movies are things like alien or invasion of the body snatchers, Mm -hmm. um, which kind of use sci-fi as a backdrop to usually something, something bigger and usually the idea that human beings are probably worse than anything else you can here's, kind here's of a, find out in the universe. Here's a really campy uh, mixture of sci-fi and horror, um, only because the creature comes from outer space and for no other reason than that. But Little Shop of Horrors. It's amazing. Yeah, you mean the movie or the... Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with, uh, yeah. with um, uh, Rick Moranis. Oh, musical movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I, weirdly yeah. enough, my first horror movie I ever saw, the first horror movie I ever saw in my life um, was The Blob. And as stupid as it is, it completely traumatized <laughs> yeah. me at the, age, at the age of five. And it's a really, I mean, it's a really, it's a, it's the, the, the mindlessness of it I find very terrifying. And I actually still find, I find the idea of it very terrifying. Um, so I think, I mean, I'm not going to say The Blob is one of my favorite movies of all time, but it certainly is, it's influential for me in terms of, um, it's, it's very influential for me in terms of the path it, it put me down with, with science fiction. Totally. Well, let's let's slide into movies because we kind of started doing that a little bit. And, and uh, for anyone who is just joining us, um, we're going to open things up and make this more of an open discussion. Um, we have just a few talking points, and then we're going to open it up for you guys to wax poetic about movies, TV, or uh, books, or any other form of sci-fi. Um, not sure what other f- sort of forms of sci-fi there are. Maybe maybe sci-fi themed food. I don't know. Uh, but let's get into <laughs> let's get into movies first, and then books. Um, so I'm just gonna rattle off a kind of a couple of my favorites that really you know had a huge impact for me. One of the can earliest ones. One? Sure. Yes. Hello. Uh, can I interject one thing before we start on the movies? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Hello. Yeah. You, yep. You're with me. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. I'm, I'm okay. with you. Yep. Okay. I hear you. Um, just what, what is science fiction? Because that's, you know, that's really the, the, the big question that a lot of people have. And I've been discussing it with other people uh, recently. And there's so many misconceptions or limitations that people put on science fiction. And if you look it up, if you Google it and look up the, the Wikipedia article on science fiction and, and defining science fiction, you see, even the masters of science fiction would debate this amongst themselves. There, there's no solid consensus that they can nail it down. If it's in this box, it's mm-hmm. science fiction. If it's out of this box, it's not science fiction. But I'd like to just read one little quote from Damon Knight, a, a renowned science fiction author. Author, I can't speak. My mouth. Oh, stop um, it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Science fiction is what we point to when we say science fiction. In other <laughs> words, he's saying it can really be anything. Oh, you know, I'm so glad uh, that you some... went in that direction. Because, <laughs> you know, there is so much gatekeeping and angry fanboys and people who want to put everything in a box or put a label on it all. And I, I like that. What is sci-fi? If well, you point at it and say that's sci-fi, it's sci-fi. Yeah. Um, well, what bothers me is just the, is the other end of people who don't, oh, I don't like it because it's just about gadgets. Well, no, it isn't. You can have books with no gadgets at all. Alternate Histories by Harry Turtledove. Yeah. Fantastic stories. Yeah. But okay, I, I just had to, I wanted to interject that before we got too far. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, sci- to the, the reason I was attracted to sci fi was the gadgets, of course, you know, the phasers and the starships yeah. oh, and all yeah. that. But but sci-fi is so great for me because um honestly I will read anything that's a good story. And there is a lot in the sci-fi genre that is a good story. Um because it it takes the limitations away and lets you explore the world in a fantastical way that's not limited by reality. Um some people get really uppity and say, well, you know, science fiction is supposed to be about science and if it's not, 
enough about science that I can't believe it. And I, I get that. Like, I'm, I'm not here to say that anyone's opinion is wrong, but I, I like the fact that science fiction can strip away our current understanding of the world and suppose a few things here and there um, that could theoretically be true. And now you've got a world that's completely alien to you and me. And then your story yeah. can just grow and do all kinds of crazy stuff. I was just yesterday reading something by Stan Lee uh, of uh, Marvel fame, for mm-hmm. those who don't know. But uh, he defines it, or he, he says it's what if. Yeah, what and- if a boy gets bit by a radioactive spider? And I know... What if- a scientist gets zapped by gamma rays. That's that's how he takes it. What if? And I know so many people who would say, well, comic books are not sci-fi. Well, I mean, oh, no, they definitely I are. think they are. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, that's a really great thought. And I, and I, I love that. Thank you for, for, for reading that quote, because I never would have thought of that. Um, so some of my favorite sci-fi movies, I'm just going to name a few. Um, one of my absolute like defining movies in my life. There were so many in the in the early eighties that that made me realize how much of a sci-fi geek I am. But one of the first ones was The Flight of the Navigator. Oh yes, just oh my God. Again. Yeah. <laughs> we saw that in a drive-in theater. <clears throat> and my dad, who already knew that was into gadgets, he had given me the speaker that was hanging off the side of the of the window and he said, see if you can make the next movie start. He knew that wasn't going to work, right? But I didn't know that. So I'm twisting knobs and I'm trying to get it to go and it's not going. And finally the movie starts and then it's this movie about spaceships and this weird alien thing and this kid. And I was like, I put this movie on and I love it. And it's so me. (laughs) So that was a great memory. And of course, (laughs) The Explorers was another one that was kind of like that where... uh, the, these kids build their own spaceship because they ha- this, they're all having this sort of collective dream of a circuit board. And um, they, they go out to a junkyard and they find like an old carnival ride and they, they stick all this stuff on it and this old Apple IIe computer. And now they have a, a, a force field around the spaceship and they make it airtight and they have oxygen tanks and everything. And they're flying it around their town and terrorizing the town. And um, finally they fly off into outer space and they meet the aliens and it's awesome. So <laughs> works for me. I love that. And of course, I, I couldn't uh, do this show without mentioning Back to the Future. That entire trilogy was huge, huge for me because I'm such a big time travel fan. So I love the DeLorean. I love, Mar- I love Marty. I love Doc Brown. Um, I wanted my own hoverboard. I thought that, I don't know, as a naive kid that didn't know any better, I thought hoverboards existed and I thought I could somewhere buy one. And I told my dad I wanted a hoverboard and I just got a skateboard. And I'm like, a skateboard? That's for babies. <laughs> you have to use wheels. <laughs> so Matt, uh, Matt, could you tell me some of your? I know that you kind of uh, sort of alluded yeah, to this I a mean, little mine, bit. But. I mean, mine are a little. Um, I think uh, I think mine go a little more towards the the darker side, um, which is probably not going to be a shock to. Yeah, the. But I think um, I mean. Uh, I mentioned it before, but Invasion of the Body Snatchers from the 70s was hugely influential on me um, and actually was probably one of the first science fiction novels I read as well, The Body Snatchers by Jack Finney, um, after seeing the movie. Oh, such a and good... And then... Yeah. It's great. It's a great book. It's a great movie. The original, I mean, they're all great. I mean, all the movies based on it are great. Um, or almost all the movies based on it are great. And... Um, 
And, you know, but I also am a fan of dystopia stuff. I mean, from an early age, I think A Clockwork Orange really kind of shocked me and warped me into thinking as science fiction, not just as being outer space, but as just a different kind of reality or a different way of living. Um, and I think I saw that movie probably younger than I should have. And uh, and it really, you know, really bothered me. Um, and I also was weirdly bothered even as a teenager by seeing Fritz Lang's Metropolis, um, you know, uh, you know, another dystopian, you know, another dystopian world, actually, you know, and um, and also the idea of, again, kind of um, just a life that doesn't even seem worth living in some ways. And, uh, and I really, so I, I, you know, I love dystopian stuff. I mean, of recent movies, Snowpiercer from a few years ago, you know, also hits that mix for me of being like satire and also kind of horrific science fiction as well. I mean, you'll, you'll note a theme in mind that they are probably not very science-based. I mean, that they, they are science, but they're not, um, they're not using science first and foremost. Um, I love time travel as well. I mean, I love Donnie Darko, which again is a, is a weird take on time travel, but one they think that, um, just emotionally kind of, um, hit home for me. Um, Back to the Future certainly is up there as well. Um, But I mean, there's like, again, I love kind of quiet science fiction, like lo-fi sci-fi as well. For time travel, there was one a few years ago called The Sound of My Voice, um, which again is, uh, you know, makes you think. And and certainly, uh, again, I'm not going to promise that the science isn't frustrating in some ways if you're trying to look for something that 100% makes sense. And yet it just... um, you know, for what it's worth, it just, uh, I think when time travel is done right, it really works. Um, when it doesn't, it doesn't for me. Um, you know, and, and again, of recent movies that can be frustrating, but I still think I return to time and time again is like, is the first Matrix movie, um, which I think, to be fair, I just went in thinking it was going to be, you know, a steaming turd. And it turned out to be oh. something that really um, made me think more more than more than not more than i expected i have something to say Um, about the matrix real quick before you move on from that sure no that's it yeah so when i when i was watching all of the special like there was the matrix was hyped big time it was very very um popular on television talking about specials on mtv about it whatnot but they focused on all, all the graphics and they focused on the martial arts and i did not want to see this movie when it when we first went to go see it I really wanted to go see The Virus. That was the movie I yeah, picked yeah. out. But nobody else wanted to see that. And we went and saw The Matrix, and I was kind of annoyed. Because I thought it was going to be a martial arts movie. I didn't know it was going to be so cool. And I walked out of there looking at my own hand, questioning, is this real? Are you yeah. real? So, yeah. yeah. Very Descartesian. It really messed with my mind. JD, yeah. um, I think it... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm no, with that was both it. That was of you. Was yeah, I'm with both of you on on the Matrix because I I I've, was not really interested in like you say of the martial arts movie, but it had a good deep Descartes kind of story. So love that. Um, I've got a few movies that uh, again not in order. Matter of fact, I I, I specifically put them in order of uh, release year. Uh, Day the Earth stood still, 1951. Uh, to me, that that is a, a class. Well, it is a classic, <laughs> sure. but uh, it it spoke to the the fears of, of uh, humanity and our 
propensity towards war. And it, it to me, it had a good story and a good message. Forbidden Planet, um, 1956, yeah. a very yep. good year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that movie. I love the original. They're t- I've heard that they're thinking of making a remake, and I, I, I hope not. Just like the remake, Forbidden Planet. No, thank you. I don't like it at all. Yeah. But uh, this this spoke of of our our inner fears, our id, super ego, and uh, who you know what's the who's the master of you know our our fears or us. And uh, I I like that. Um, now one okay, you guys get a, a brownie point if you know this one. Enemy Mine. I love Enemy Mine. I have not seen it. I had I had a couple hours to go watch it so I could pretend like I knew what you're talking about. I just didn't do it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it would hold up without audio description because it's very character. You know, it's just two main characters: an alien and a human. Uh, Enemies. There was a a a war between humans and and this race, and they both get shot down. They shoot each other down on this planet. They're the only ones on the planet. And they have to work together to survive, and they become friends. And I, I love the message. I love the filming of the movie. And it is just it. I never heard of it outside of I first came across it on a laser disc. Oh wow! And, uh, so it's kind it's, of a rare it's find. Worth, yeah, it, it's worth looking looking up. I'll and have to do the that. Last yeah, one I'll mention is Fifth Element. Oh, that's, oh. you can't be kind. I love it. That was so good. (laughs) I saw that at the mall movie theater while waiting for my mom to get out of work. (laughs) My my wife wants to hit me with something because I can sit there quoting the movie. I can just do the dialogue (laughs) along with it. (laughs) I love that one. It's just, if you haven't seen it, it it, it is campy. It's fun. It's Bruce Willis. There's action. Not, you know, there's some Mm -hmm. violence, but it's not about that. Um, my husband always threatens to grow his bangs out and dress like the emperor. <laughs> the president, sorry. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, s- since you spoke up, I, I want to um, open it up because you guys have all been waiting patiently for half an hour now to talk. And we are going to get into movies later. I'm, not, I'm sorry, not movies. I'm Books. Books. Yes, we're going to get into books later. So save those for, for just a little bit later. Uh, and we're also going to get into LBGTQ characters in sci-fi. Um, so hold on to those thoughts until a little bit later. But um, I wanted to open it up to the rest of the group. I know that Leah specifically said, I really want to contribute some stuff. So Leah, if you're still here and you'd like to contribute, um, you know, you can unmute yourself. Actually, I do not see her in the list. I am in the list. There you are. Yay. I am in the list. I'm like, I'm here. All right. You're having nerdgasms through this whole thing. Thank you for waiting patiently for... I know I'm chomping at the bit because I heard that thing about having hair in the shape of uh, Hubert's, the emperor's head in the fifth element. Oh yes. my God. I about lost my mind. I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, but I have so many interests when it comes to sci-fi as everybody was talking, I was getting all these, you know how you have that nine degrees of Kevin Bacon, but Kevin Bacon isn't really there. Mm-hmm. And you just have one idea spurs another idea. And all these movies just started coming flooding. Cause I said, I know all this sci-fi stuff, but I feel kind of like, autistic i can't remember anything yeah you told me like i'm not sure if i'm gonna be able to come up with anything and now you've got all the things and and now the now the door just blew off yeah um the top of my list which kind of goes against the grain with the gay characters but i'm gonna just mention it is lost girl Mm -hmm. as a tv show 
Um, that's Bo, the bisexual incubus who's coming to terms with her special powers. Um, another TV show I really love, love or loved most of mine. I've always gotten canceled except for Doctor Who, which you and I, <laughs> I'm a big lover of time travel too. Yes. I just, I just, there's just something about it just gets me. Um, Stitchers is kind of another one where the main chick lays in this vat. And then in the other vat, they have somebody that recently died and they're trying to find out. Who oh, yeah. That was I weird. That show. That was it definitely was so weird. Cool. And then Travelers is another one that's kind of on the same. Well, not really. Well, people who are in the future. Yeah. They're in the post-apocalyptic future. It stars the one guy from Will and Grace. Kevin McCormick. Is it Kevin McCormick? Or is it? I can't remember his first name. I am terrible at uh, actors and actresses' names. I don't I know. I know it's McCormick. Maybe it's Eric McCormick. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, travelers, and they come back, a group of them come back, and they find host bodies, and they're trying to change things so that they don't have as many people die in the future. And what's really warped that about that is that, like, okay, if if someone's about to die, they're like five seconds away from death, somebody's yeah. mind will be sent back, you know, uploaded to that past person's body, and they're going to yep. die anyway, so their brain gets wiped out, and then they've been trained in how to escape from that, you know, deathly you know that deadly scenario and then go on and change things from from the past and there's factions and everything and it's it's described and it's really good yeah yeah and then of course doctor who my lucky number is 13 so yeah you and i are twinsies woman you and i are twinsies as far as doctor who yeah oh my god i mean my wife she got me the uh doctor who tardis Mm -hmm. lego set for Christmas the one year and I just absolutely loved it. And she got me this chocolate, you know, there's stuff like kind of everywhere. That's um, awesome. I did like sliders, um, Battlestar Galactica that I really liked, mm-hmm. especially with Katie Sackoff, that version where she plays Kara Thrace. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that. And part of it was, you know, my ex, she loved Battlestar Galactica. I got into it, but I loved it myself, but I got to eat, meet most of the main cast at Dragon Con Back in 2010, I got to meet uh, Katie Sackoff, Edward James almost, um, and then the guy with the patch. I had a good conversation with him, but I don't oh. know his his formal name. Anyway, sideline, sorry. That's something that um, I could probably ta- do a whole show about, too, is just experiences at science fiction conventions, because I've been to so many. Yeah. But well, TV shows, 11, 20, 263. Yes! Ah! Yeah. Ah! Yes! Oh, yeah. Yes! <laughs> that is, and then you have like Eureka. Oh, I loved Eureka. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Colin, Colin Ferguson is my man crush. Oh, that's awesome. 100%. That's another experience we can talk about some other time. Sweet. Um, there was a TV show on, it lasted one season. I loved it. This was during the year of everything. Every single show I like gets canceled. (sighs) What's going on here? It's because it's on on Mars because it's science fiction. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a life on Mars where the guy, is in an accident and he goes back to 1973 and this, I, I forget the whole premise of it, but I know it got canceled. So what they did in the very end, they made it look like everybody was in some kind of a spaceship looking through his eyes rather than what was kind oh. of the premise of the whole show. Cause they were pissed off at the producers or whatever. I really want to watch that show. I, I haven't seen, I know there's a UK version of it and I watched a couple of episodes and then I just lost, I didn't lose interest. I just, um, I was, well, okay. Truth be told, I was downloading it. And it was kind of a pain in the ass to download it because I was doing it in a way that wasn't easy. And so I just kind of gave up, but it was a great show. And, you know, I really want to go back now that, now that getting stuff online is easier. 
So, um, all right, Sean, I heard you pipe in there for a second. Did you have oh, something? I was just wondering if, if anybody uh, had attended the Doctor Who convention in L.A. I no. went for several years, but haven't been recently. I haven't, but there is a thing called Chicago TARDIS, which I really want to go to. Um, yeah, I, I haven't been there yet. Either. Cool. You, you know what, Sean, what would be fun and interesting? And Joe Steinkamp and I have talked about this in the past, about hosting a panel about blindness and Doctor Who. Because there, there has been quite a bit about God, vision awesome. and blindness in yep. Doctor Who. So, that would be freaking cool. The Doctor even went blind. Um, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but I'll just say at well, some yeah. point in the Doctor's timeline, he went blind, which was really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That was cool. the season, um, the last Capaldi season. Yep. So, we have a lot of people in here who probably would like to speak about TV shows or movies. Um, yeah. Does anybody else want to pipe in? This yeah. is Michael Byington. And... Uh, I am just amazed with all of the obscure and camp science fiction and horror that you all have talked about that nobody has mentioned uh, A Boy and His Dog, which was based uh, on a, a uh, dog. Harlan Ellison uh, novella. And also, let's not forget the role of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, oh. which was originally <laughs> a stage show in London. So, and Rocky Horror, I was I was going to mention Dr. Frankenfurter um, as one of the LBGTQ characters, but yes, Rocky Horror, the song opening is science fiction, the, the, the science fiction double feature. I love that song so much. Well, I think my favorite song from that uh, show is uh, Touch Me, Touch Me, Touch Me, Touch, 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 touch Me, I Want to Be Dirty. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a good song. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And we're going to be. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a wonderful connection with the LGBTQ <laughs> community with uh, Dr. Frankenfurter. And uh, th- there's actually a number of other uh, sexual variations in that movie that are just fascinating if you really watch it looking for that. That is so cool. You know, we we should. <laughs> I'm just. I'm thinking of other shows we could do, and it would be really fun to do that. Get some real major fans of Rocky Horror and talk about how impactful it has been. <laughs> well, thank you for thank you for your thoughts on that. I really appreciate that because I love I love both of those things. Um, Rocky you know, Horror is just awesome. Did anybody else have any thoughts about movies or TV shows? Hello, uh, this is Jessica. Can you hear me? Yep, Jessica, we hear you. And I heard somebody else will get to you after Jessica. Hello. I'm a brand new member, so I'm really happy to have found you all. Um, So I have a movie and two books. Um, The movie, I don't know if um, you may or may not have heard, it is called Short Circuit. It's from way back in the 1980s. Oh, yes. Short Circuit and Short Circuit 2. Johnny Five is alive. He's a military robot that comes alive and ends up being just a sweet personality. And I really attach to that because when I was a teenager, I really didn't have a lot of friends. So I would write all these stories about things around me just coming to life and like getting these personalities. So I went back and I watched that um, recently and kind of enjoyed it. It was cute and whatever. Hey, laser lips. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by no the way, did check out, check out how he could flip through books like 
I mean, that was the fastest OCR I've ever oh, seen. Oh, wouldn't that be great if you could just scan your books like... That would be amazing. I mean, I know Stephanie, that some people's uh, screen readers... Stephanie, <laughs> Stephanie, reassemble. Yes, Stephanie, let me read your book cool. to you, which I scanned in under 30 seconds. I, I know that some blind people have their screen readers uh, fast <laughs> enough to go... But jeez. Yes. <laughs> so, Wes, you uh, you chimed in there? Yeah, so I just like to say, as for my favorite sci-fi, I'm gonna say for me and like probably for a lot of other people, like my favorite series uh, movies are Star Trek. But after that, somebody mentions Doctor Who. I really into Doctor Who, and the thing is, and also right now, I'm got into Stargate. I got on the Hulu subscription. Yeah, oh, it's on Hulu. Okay. And I'm watching Stargate, you know, SC one right now, but I but I got also got access to Universe and Atlantis too. Haven't gotten to those. And so is this your like first about, watching or have you seen it before? But my first watching. Oh, cool. you're in but for a treat. What I like about both Doctor Who and Stargate is that it steps up our technology from the gadget, which consists of an airtight container with a life support system and a propulsion system attached, a.k.a. a spaceship that physically moves from planet to planet. This is up to the next step that solves the problems of that technology. So like it with the TARDIS and the Stargate, or instant travel between far away, you know, places. I mean, that's, that's really cool. And I have the entire series of the Space 1999 on DVD, and I have a lot of Doctor Who DVDs uh, in my collection, too. And so, and the thing is, and also as for books, I like to bring up this one book which <laughs> intrigues me. I read it once when I was younger, a teenager. No, I was like a teenager kid. I've seen this, and then I was able to find it again on T-Bats. I'm talking book and Braille services, and I read it as a talking book a couple of years ago, and it's very intriguing. The idea is it's about this entire mobile city. Alert from and calendar. It's applied for energy assistance. And it's about a city that's uh, mounted up on wheels that rolls on railroad tracks. It's top, like a, I don't know if it was the size of a city, but like a big vehicle, people, residents refer to it as a city. And the idea is the city's on Earth, but somehow Earth is in the form of a, is shaped like a hyperbola. And the ground keeps moving from the pole out to the equator. And you know, along this purple, and to keep the city surviving, it has to keep moving to not go off the edge of the hyperbola or equator of the earth and fall into space or something. <clears throat> oh, wow. So what they have to do, they got to take up the track, the railroad track behind the city, bring it around to the front, and then relay the track in front of it. You know, then they would use winches to move the Weird. city. Weird. What, what's, and the, and what's the name of this book? Interesting. But then there are these residents that live you know in the earth around they still think it's earth or they think they got separate from but on this planet where they are they keep coming across these inhabitants you know which and they are take some to use to help uh, you know to help expand their population in the city like the women and then they use them as help or slaves you know for uh, help to do the work around the city and in the end, they found out it was like this device that this guy invented that provides energy for the city was warping all. Some of us doing something to the people in the sea or warping their minds to make them think they're on this hyperbola shaped earth. Well, and they wind up at an ocean shore 
and trying to build a bridge across it, but it's the first ocean they came across, thinking they can bridge over it. And now the city can't go anymore, but before it really fell off the edge of the earth, that's kind of when the book ends. But it's a really interesting book, a really interesting concept. It's by Christopher Priest. And I wonder, has anybody else ever read The Inverted World? I have not. Anybody else? No, no, no. no. I haven't. I, I would have to check me that of the out. Doctor Who episode Pirate Planet, though. Well, it kind of sort of reminded me of the movie, um, not 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 the mechanics of like the the vehicle and all that stuff, but a city that wanders or a city that moves. It reminded me of a, a movie called The Wandering Earth, and you mm. know the Earth is basically trying to find another habitable solar system, and it's been outfitted with rockets and stuff to move it, you know, to to somewhere better. Um, did did. Has anybody seen a movie called The Forbin Project? Oh yes, I'm Colossus. The Forbin was that the yeah, yeah the like, computer yeah. that I mean, takes over and computer. yeah, yeah. I kind of turn, get yeah. It. and uh, and also you know what turn I've over defense of, uh, to the computer and also I'm trying to find out I didn't know this is a Forbin Project but seeing I seen the show when I was way when I was like low taught about this computer that went crazy and it controlled this building and, and it was like. Is that house? And I caught her with an elevator door, and I could not ever find mm-hmm. a, a description of this. I've been like looking for it online. That sounds that like sounds house. like one. Yeah. Re- oh, I think sounds, so. There's there's some horror films, or sort of they used to replay them on TBS. There was like the big, 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 big bus, and uh, something called House, where the house became sentient and killed everybody in it, and. It sounds familiar, but that, yeah. that's not quite the format. I know that but. trope has been done a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, your Alexa just might just might kill you, or it might order you a whole bunch of toilet paper and be really nice to you. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. And masks, yeah. Um, okay, well, before we move on I to... I have an old... Oh, go ahead. I have an old TV show. Yes, go for it. Uh, who's speaking? This is Kathy. Hi, Kathy. I'm a new, I'm a new member. Awesome. Um, Welcome. This is, this is pretty campy. Uh, Lost in Space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. oh, I love Lost in Space. Another Irwin oh, yeah. Allen show. Did you know that they actually made a? Uh, well, they made a movie, of course, which was kind of yeah. awful. Oh. But the sci-fi, the the yeah, uh, the Netflix remake was actually pretty good. The the new one, the new series. Yeah, that is pretty good. There's still yeah. supposed to be another season coming out, but yep. uh, that that was good. That's awesome. Better than the movie. Um, the, as far as books, the Isaac Asimov series. Mm. The robots. Or robot, yeah, yeah. robot, yeah, like iRobot. Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, iRobots. That has to be. I think that's my favorite sci-fi. Are any of you familiar with Escape Pod podcast? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I'm glad mm-hmm. you mentioned that because we didn't. I didn't have podcasts in the list, but um, Escape Pod is an excellent. Uh, I, I think they release like a, an episode every couple of days or once a week where it's short science fiction stories and it's such a good podcast. Yeah. So I'm really they've glad you've been around you... a long time. Yes. They, they've been around since 2005 when I first started listening to podcasts. Yeah. So there's a great inventory available. Yeah. Thanks you should do in this show. You should check it out. Yeah. I, we're going to have to do this again sometime because I don't think we could possibly cover everything in the amount of time we have. Yeah. So guys, it's, uh, one thing we, we didn't mention is what movies and so forth we've mentioned that uh, have audio description. And I, I know Flight of the Navigator has audio description. <laughs> that's on uh, uh, Disney a, Plus. A lot of them don't. Yeah, that's on Disney Plus. Yep. Thank I heard, you, Disney. I heard somebody Hi, try it's to. Hi, in Canada calling. Can we have a chat too? Hi, come on in. Who Who is it? Great. 
Donald from Canada. Hey, Donald. Yeah. Um, I like the, the uh, young lady that mentioned about Lost in Space because, of course, Dr. Smith, in real life, he was a gay man, so that's kind of fun. Yes. Yes. And um, a series, I'm not sure any of you might know, being mostly American, but it was called Star Lost. It was a TV series. What was it called? Star Lost. I don't think I've seen no, that. I'm not familiar with it. It was a Canadian production, and it had um, Keir Dulay. Is anyone familiar with that actor? Oh, that sounds really cool. You know, Canada has a really neat channel. Uh, it used to be called Space, and I think they yeah, changed it. called it. Um, CTV Sci-Fi. Yeah, they changed the yeah. name of it. I kind of like the old the, name. The Keir Dulay uh, actor, he was also in 2001 A Space Odyssey. He was Dave. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. I knew the name was familiar, but I couldn't say where. Dave. Yeah. And he was a Canadian actor, which was nice. But in the Star Lost uh, series that we ran up here, it was an arc flying through space because the Earth had destroyed itself. And it all had all these domes of different cultures of people. And these three young people traveled from the different domes because they were lost in the arc, trying to save it before it destroyed itself, falling into a star. Oh, that yeah, sounds we, really um, cool. A friend of mine introduced us to Star Lost, and we watched uh, five or six episodes. Is that available online anywhere, or do you kind of have to find it? I think he got the DVDs, but I don't remember. Mm. Yeah, I've got it on DVD. It's really cool. Um, I'm going to think one of the movies you probably aren't familiar with, because I'm a little older than the rest of you, I think. How about 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Oh, yes. Yeah. Or uh, another really good one, too, along the sort of TV and movie series is um oh it's about a submarine uh voice to the bottom of the sea oh sure the, the original yeah, pilot movie yeah, yeah, like the, original, the actor the, the main lead actor man he was hot oh god <laughs> <laughs> doesn't captain nemo and the nautilus show up again in voyage to the center of the earth where they're out on the i can't remember the details it's been so long since i've seen it no 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 but no, no, no. you're thinking what of, am i thinking um of? um oh. uh, the, uh, the, 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 the island uh island the time for that yeah, uh, where Captain Nemo actually has the Nautilus under in a cavern under that island. Yeah, uh, right. But I thought that they right. showed up in in tra- Journey to the Center of the Earth. No, no. am I misremembering? I'll stick my nose in there from Canada and say hi and let you know about a few things up here. Nice to chat with you. I'm really glad you did, and we're yeah. we're going to be talking about books in a few minutes here. Um, so we'll open things up again for people to talk about books. Um, before we move on to that, though, did anybody else want to get a word in about TV or film? Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. Jeff and Minneapolis. an old show from the 60s. I saw Someone kid, was ahead of um, Somebody start talking first. Okay. The name I, of it was called Them. Them, yes. I remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Very good. Lisa, I heard you pipe in there. Uh, what were you saying? Well, is it my turn or is it the last person's turn? I go go ahead. You're you're good. We're, we're kind of doing it free form okay. tonight. Yeah. Just, uh, okay. Yeah. Some of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just. I'm a pretty big Star Trek fan. Um, I specific, uh, particularly DSN, uh, Deep Space Nine is probably my favorite because I like sci-fi a lot. That is, you know, very character driven and talks about a lot of philosophical con- concepts. If there's too much action and violence, it's not like. I don't approve. It's like, I just get bored. Um, I tried to get into discovery, but I watched the first episode and it was too much action. I want to give it another chance though. Maybe I Mm -hmm. just need to get past the first episode. It does get better. There's a lot of action in discovery and I'm not, I liked stories better. 
I like dialogue, so I know where you're coming from. And that's yeah, a I lot of guess as a blind person. Yeah. A lot of modern sci-fi just has all graphics and all sounds, and there's no dialogue. And that's really annoying, but uh, the story does get better, and you might actually enjoy Picard better. The, uh, yeah, I started that, and I planned to finish it. Oh, I liked yeah. what I saw of it. It was really cool. Also, I wanted to mention Handmaid's Tale, which you could probably oh. classify as sci-fi. Um, yes, you know, it's that about, counts. If any, you first, sorry. No, no, I was just saying that counts. That totally counts. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, show about a um, a dystopian future society where the religious right uh, takes over to terribly dystopian um, results. Kind of seems like that might come to fruition, though, with our yeah. society. Oh, my God. We, we, <laughs> we, we will hope that that stays in the realm of I know, right? Fiction. Exactly. <laughs> Let's hope that stays speculative fiction and not reality. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, this I, is I Jim, I'm going to I'm going to jump ahead. in here. Um, that uh, Handmaid's Tale. That it's interesting. The organization name is Gilead, Gilead, which is the name yes, of a name big, of drug. huge drug company. <laughs> <laughs> How ironic is that? I know, it's right? Also, so the one the, that came up with the, the Bible, and I think blah, that's blah. where they got it from. Talk about Man. controlling people's perception through drugs. You know, it's even exactly. weirder. You know, it's even weirder is when a, a company chooses a name. It's it's one thing if a sci-fi series comes along and uses a name that sounds similar to a company that exists, but it's even worse when they pick a name that is totally based on something in in literature or film or TV, and it's they should know better. There's a a drink company called Soylent. <laughs> and I will never, ever, <laughs> ever, ever, ever drink Soylent. No. Because you don't pick green. that name and not know that it's made of people. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> yeah. So wow. um, I know everybody's chomping on the bit. Does anybody else want to get in there and talk about sci-fi and movies yes. and TV? Come, come I on like in. Avatar. Kim, was that Kim that said that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Kim did not say I like Avatar, no. Uh, Oh, who? But you stole my Soylent Green from me. I was going to. Oh, I'm that. sorry. Well, tell us a little bit about what you thought about that. I thought it was disgusting, and really, all I remember was people. What, how did they say say it in the end? People yeah, are eating soil, people. Soylent Green is people. That's what it was. Yeah. Anyway, I I got uh, one more that I wanted to mention, and it, it it doesn't fall in any of your categories of books or movies or um. TV shows, and that is War of the Worlds. Oh, radio. Tom Cruise version, but the original Orson Welles. Yeah. We, and God, I could do a whole show on audio dramas and old time radio because there's so much good stuff out there. Dimension X and X minus one, the the Twilight Zone drama series that they did in audio was so good. And, oh, man. Somebody said they liked Avatar. Who was that? That was me. Hello. 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 Hi. Hi. So, uh, hold on a second. Who was it that said they liked Avatar? Uh, It's Anne speaking. Hi, Anne. Hi. Uh, Oh, uh, you guys were talking about the sci-fi shows. My favorite were um, Buck Rogers, Alf, and uh, Knight Rider. Well, those are the ones I have on DVD. I didn't, I, I, but I used to enjoy all kinds, like uh, the original Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah, oh man! I, kid, yes. I used to love that show. Yes, I love the original <laughs> Battlestar. 
That was so good. And I was going to try and do my imitation of how, huh, you're killing me. But, you know, just, nah. <laughs> anyway, so oh, yeah. <laughs> you kill me. Ah, ha, you I'm, kill me. So uh, somebody wanted to talk about Avatar and I wanted to give you a chance to, to talk about that briefly. That yes, that's, that's Leah, me. Okay, um, Leah, well, tell us about I Avatar. I really love James Cameron's Avatar. That to me was just like one of the best movies made. Um, not only now I'm a blind ally, so I'm, I'm sighted, mm-hmm. but I can't wait. I've been chomping at the bit since that movie came out for all the sequels that he's promising. Yeah. And you JD told me, and I talked about it earlier. You, you told me that you us. were going to, you told me that they were going to have all kinds of sequels to it. And I just, I yeah, would love that, but it's been so long since the first one. It seems kind of weird. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to. Because all the all the actors are going to be in wheelchairs at this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. I mean, thank God for CGI because you know, right? Reality, you yeah. know. But at least maybe they get better. Tell me about it. Of the fuel or whatever, and being in you know stasis mm-hmm. for all those years to get to you know the planet or whatever. But supposedly one's going to be underwater, you know. But I've been so excited that you know that because when I watched the movie, the movie just speaks volumes. And just, you know, it has some, like, religious undertones to it, mm-hmm. in a way. Um, but that was probably one of my favorite science fiction movies. That's awesome. Um, I may have to rewatch that. Yeah. It, it's definitely an yeah, epic it, tale. And, and it, it definitely really has is. audio description. Has, any, has anybody ever seen The 13th Floor? Was yes. that the one about the computer simulate? Kind of like this, The Matrix a little bit, where uh, there is simulation yes. inside of a simulation and... All that. Yes, I I love those kind of movies and like M- Minority Report and all these different weird kind of Hunger weird Games reality reality bending stuff. things and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so has yeah. anyone been trying to get in and not been able to? I I want to make sure that no one feels alienated because even though, just because we're talking about aliens, I don't want anyone to feel alienated. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Jeff in Minneapolis. I'll jump in here quick. Uh, hey, Jeff, 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 wait, you live in Minneapolis. I could just talk to you about sci-fi yeah. at the Nicolette Diner. Go, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, we could actually. Let, let's, now we can go to a restaurant. Let's meet there tomorrow. Um, All right, so oh, tell anyway, me what you got to some, say. Someone, someone mentioned the original radio War of the Worlds. My dad actually remembers listening to that when he was a little boy. He was like six or seven. And he remembers listening to that with his brother who was like mm-hmm. three years older. And scaring the hell out of them, you know, trying to make that radio drama even more scary, more oh, realistic. He was messing with him. He did he know yeah, it was fake? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And and my dad, you know, just totally bought into the whole thing. Cause the issue was there weren't any real commercials because they couldn't sell any commercial time. So the drama just ran the whole way. And so that's why people thought it was real. Right. Because there well, was no commercial interruptions. No so. one had done anything like that before where they put, you know, a fake newscast. You know, that. Yeah. That and was. Advertiser, advertisers were scared to advertise on it. So. Right. Um, and, and then as far as audio described stuff, um, Back to the Future is described on Netflix. I think all three of them are up there on Netflix described. And um, I, I noticed that E.T. is described now on Netflix. And then, of course, oh, is Lost it? in Space is there. Uh, you know, the, the Netflix version of it. So um, I, I'm really enjoying all of these 
classic movies finally getting description because oh. I, I have had to live, you know, half my life with no description or very little of it. And uh, even though I can see some, I have 2200 in my left eye and totally blind in the other. I still prefer descriptive audio because you miss so much if you don't have it, especially in modern stuff with texts and stuff. Texts and emails and stuff being shown on the screen. Oh, yeah. Or subtitles yeah. or notes or whatever. So I'm really and thankful for that. People's facial expressions, you know, being <clears throat> verbalized and body yeah. language. And that's something that sighted people get that we just don't pick up on at all. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, movies I, that I grew up with and, and watched as a child. I remember seeing the 2001 Space Odyssey when it originally came out. And I saw it a couple of times. I just watched it last year with audio description and I was just, wow, there were things I never caught in the movie, not big plot changing things, but just little points that I would have loved to see. Well, so, yeah. I sure loved it. Yeah. When I become in. a describer oh, for my wife, it's like, Oh my God, I can't keep up. And she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, well, this person did this and this person did that. And I have to literally pause it so I can explain all the facial expressions that go on within a, you know, have you, have you seen well, Wonder Woman with the best or Doctor Strange with uh, audio descriptions on? Those oh, are yeah. two well, examples right. of a lot of content pushed. Yes, through. Marvel. I, I have an yes, ACB, all the Marvel things. Uh, I, I have well, an ACB science fiction story that uh, can be told very briefly. I think it was in nineteen eight uh, two thousand and five when ACB was in Las Vegas and they had the Star Trek experience at uh, one of the hotels. I think it was the Hilton. And uh, because a couple of the things in there were rather uh, jolting, I guess you would say, why uh, ACB had a place set up where people could stop and check their guide dogs in uh, because they didn't think the guide dogs would enjoy going on this particular ride. And they had people there to care for the guide dogs and so on. Well, it was pretty dark as you were walking into one of the space shuttles that was going to take you on this trip where uh, you were going to get jolted around. And this one guy who had a black lab got all the way up to the entrance and hadn't realized he needed to drop his dog off at the uh, base of the on-ramp. Oh, no. And so they called and said, oh, we'll have one of our staff take uh, your dog back down to the, uh, to the station where you're supposed to leave your dog. You can go on in. And the person they grabbed to do that was in full Klingon regalia. And I think one of the most humorous things I have ever seen was a Klingon walking down the ramp from the shuttle with a guide dog. Uh, <laughs> you, will, you will park with honor! <laughs> this is Wes from Terra. Yes, Wes. I like to mention, but I think it's really cool about sci-fi shows, movies, TV series... Like the Explorers, the Last Starfighter, and Back to the Future. Oh, it's kind of like the concept, like Starfighter. it seems to make the possibility it can actually happen to you. So it's kind of set, kind of in our universe at our time. And so I think that I did get a guy that says we have daydreaming. It's idea like, oh, it's possible it could happen to you. Like this could be happening to you is what these movies portray, which I think is cool. And also, there's another TV series that I scene which are with you so little about and that's other worlds and i never saw the whole series but i think only had a few episodes but it's like about this family that went to explore had this tour guide take him down to explore the the uh, pyramid in egypt but right when they got into the pyramid i guess <laughs> 
the all the planets lined up. It's like you know, big deal when the planets were lining up, which like happens every you know million years or so. But the planets lined up and somehow transformed them up to this other weird planet where they would meet these like this one colony of robots and meet like these people called zone troopers, which are like the uh, enforcers or the police that enforce this place and just a bunch of weird stuff like stuff like that, you know. And that's pretty interesting series. I never saw it completely through, but these people trying to find out how to get back to Earth or their Earth. And it was really kind of an interesting show. I have to look that one up. The thing ran once and then disappeared. So it's like, and, and somehow they stole this special little crystal from this zone trooper. And, and they could use this crystal to get open doors and access computers and stuff. It was like what the zone troopers used to do stuff. And the zone trooper is like pursuing them, trying to get his crystal back. You know? Oh man, that's cool. I have to check that one out. Um, you, you, were, you were talking earlier about things that could happen to you. Um, there was an yeah. audio drama provided a, to, a, to us by graphic audio. Um, and they do Marvel and DC and various other um, comic book uh, stuff in audio format. And there was one that was a green lantern. It was a green lantern story called a hero's quest. And it was the story about, Kyle Rayner, who is a procrastinator, kind of a screw up, um, always late for work, you know, just an everyday guy. And the alien that was caring for the ring that was guarding it um, had been, you know, wounded or, or whatever. And he needed to pass it on to someone worthy. And Kyle was like the first worthy person he managed to find. And he was like totally not prepared to be a superhero, but he had this power thrust upon him and he just had to make it work. And um, that was one of those kind of like, wow, this, this could happen to anyone sort of stories that I really loved. Yeah. You know, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, do we want to get on to books? I have, I would one one more uh, obscure movie. I was going to ask if anybody remembered. It was called Battle Beyond the Stars. Uh, it was uh-huh. Fallout from Star Wars with John Boy from the Waltons in it. Oh my gosh, I have not. Yeah, seen Yeah, I remember that. I saw that in the theater. Battle Beyond the Stars, and it was a Star Wars mm-hmm. thing. It was no, no it, 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 it rode the coattails of Star Wars. It came oh. out after Star Wars. Gotcha. Yeah, there were a bunch of movies about- that did that. You were talking about movies that are uh, audio described, and I thought of one that a uh, couple of uh, other another blind couple that uh, invited my wife and me over to uh, uh, see that was one of the early movies that came out with audio description, and it was really cool the way they did this. The description was "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids." Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's God. Yeah. See, that's another classic movie that I never saw uh, with description, and I would love that. I didn't know. Well, that's that's on Disney. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's a movie I really want someone to describe, and I wish I wish they would. I and, and Matt, your last name sort of uh, fits into this movie, Spaceballs. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, <laughs> I want that described so bad. So many visual jokes. <laughs> all right well yeah, let's quiet. let's get into books and so um matt and jd and i are going to um tell you guys about our you know books that we really appreciated and then we're going to talk about lbgtq characters uh in science fiction and then we're going to open it back up for everyone to talk about their books or lbt lbgtq characters that they found to be um important to sci-fi so my i'll give you two 
My first one is 112263 by Stephen King. And Leah, Leah mentioned the TV series, which is on Hulu. Um, it's about a it's about a man that travels back in time to try and stop the Kennedy assassination. And the universe does not want to be changed. And even little changes, the universe really begrudgingly lets happen. And um, he goes through a portal and winds up in the si- same minute and the same, basically the same moment in time in 1958. And he has a couple of years to figure out what's going on. And if he screws up or gets wounded or something, he goes back to the present through the portal and then has to go back and start all over again. And so, of course, he's getting older and he's had a few screw ups and um, he has to, he has to wait it out from 1958 every damn time. And uh, it's a really, it's a great story. It's it's worth checking yeah, out. Yeah, it is. Um, another yeah, it is. I like that too. Yeah, did you like it? Did you did you read it on Bard or um, the Audible version? I read the Audible version. The uh, no, I actually read it. I found it at our library. Would you believe on on audio? Or did you have did you have to read it like physically read it? No, uh, it was on audio. Yeah, that the, the reason I ask is because that narrator that read the commercial version. That you probably had at the library. He he was really good. Extremely yeah, he good was. narrator. Yeah. Um, so then the other one that kind of ties into this is um, a book by Audrey Niffinger called The Time Traveler's Wife. And that was also a movie. Um, but it, the novel was so good. It was about a man that had a chronological disease that would not allow him to control his position in time. And so he'd be going about his day. And it's, it's like seizures, you know, you, you have a seizure, it's uncontrollable, it comes out of nowhere, um, and it can happen to you at any time, and, 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 and uh, so he would be doing something important, like driving a car, or, you know, at work or something, and he would lose control, and he would just show up naked in some time in his past. You know, it could, could show up. That's a good one. Yeah. Way. It's extreme. Why don't you tell me what you thought of that? Um, I did read it. This is Sarah, by the way. I did read it uh, a while ago. I, I want to say like 10 or so years ago. And uh, there's just something about like the mystery of it all. You just never know what's going to happen next. And he would find himself in the most strange situations. Um, but, you know, the concept of time travel is very, very strong there. <laughs> I love that. And I know I threw a bunch a of book. I know I threw a bunch of books at your face. Um, so, did. You know, out of all the books that you've read that are sci-fi related, since you're here, since you chimed in, I'm just curious. I know you've read a lot of sci-fi books, and is there something that really speaks to your mind? Oh, I was muted. Um, That's okay. <laughs> outside, but uh, let's see. Gosh, um, I really liked. I really liked Ready Player One. That was a really, really good one. Yeah, um, Ernest Klein. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, Ready Player One was really good. The Divergent series is really good. I'm currently in the middle of book one of a series called The Gender Game. Um, and it's, it's, very, it's very dystopian, but it's basically about a world where there's like men live on one side of this toxic river and women live on the other side. And um, I mean, there's like a whole slew of adventures. I'm not far enough in yet to give a proper synopsis, <clears throat> but it's very, very interesting. That sounds good. I'll have to check that one out. Um, so JD, did you have any books that you wanted? I, and I know making you oh, pick a yeah. favorite is hard, but can you give us a couple of titles? I, yeah, I've got a few, but, but yeah, I'll, I'll pick a couple. Um, and it, again, it is very hard because I can keep thinking one, I don't know the author and I looked it up, but I didn't write it down, but it's a series, a sector general, 
Uh, if somebody wanted to look that up, it is on Bard. But it it's a a hospital out in space that serves every being of the galaxy, from beings that live on a surface of a, a star to those that live in in Stygian darkness and high pressure. And it's it's imaginative. A lot of the the interactions with the different characters, uh, they're uh humans are the one who founded the hospital but uh all sorts of beings staff the hospital and it's a series of books 12 books i think written over quite a few years uh, by an irish author i think written from the 50s to the 90s or 60s to the 90s so the early books are definitely dated as far as how they portray interactions between men and women but get beyond that, realizing that a lot of old science fiction, John Campbell and everything, they, they portray women as, oh, they swim. Um, but uh, they're really enjoyable books. They're not hard science books. They're just imaginative with interactions with the different aliens. They're just so a, that's fun, one a fun that romp. I would suggest. Yeah. And you just look up the, the series Sector General. Those and, were good. Um, I, I actually did read those and I thought they were they were did. excellent. Yeah. I mean I oh, think good. I might have I think I might have fallen into the series kind of later, like the, the, the more recent books. Um I really don't know when they were published, but they were very good. Yeah, I think I read one that was sort of in the middle and then I went back and grabbed the as every one I could find and started from the beginning. It's more enjoyable. Yeah. But another one I'll mention is one of my favorite authors, Lois McMaster Bujold. And she writes a series called the Vorkosican Sao Adventures. They, they actually changed the name of the, the series. It's, that's a bard name for the series. Mm-hmm. And it's a planet. Okay, humans have migrated across the galaxy, a bunch of different star systems through uh, wormholes. And this one planet that uh, the Vorkosicans are from, the uh, wormhole collapsed. And they were on their own for quite a few hundred years and then it was reestablished so they were brought they went medieval almost very old technology and feudal and everything and then all of a sudden they're brought back into the whatever 28th 30th century and uh, it's the the story of the the drama between the a, a high lord and the family and the the intrigue of the palace and the emperor and and, and all that and it's uh very enjoyable. A lot of humor in the books, a lot of great character developments. Some I just root for. The, oh, good. What's this? You know, so-and-so is going to think of this when he finds out about it. I get really into these these stories. So that's one I can I can highly recommend if you like anything like that. That's awesome. And there's a lot more we can keep talking about, but I'll leave you with those two for now. Matt, do you have some sci-fi related books that you would like to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh. um, I mean, I mentioned the body. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, that's someone else was. Um, I mentioned the Body Snatchers before um, by Jack Finney. The short story collection that got me into sci-fi was "I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream" by Harlan Ellison. Where I mean, again, they mentioned a boy and his dog, and I mean his early stuff, especially, is just shocking and disturbing. Um, I mean, I am a um, I'm a huge fan of the Day of the Triffids by John Wyndham, oh, um, yes. which has been made into a bunch of movies. Uh-huh. Or miniseries and stuff. Radio yeah. dramas. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, again, I mean, I love kind of, you know, apocalyptic, you know, kind of stuff. 
Um, I will say in recent years, weirdly enough, some of the best science fiction I've read, I think it's actually come out of the, the YA space. I mean, I actually loved um, the Hunger Games series, um, and I liked it more as it, as it progressed, unlike a lot of people, but I just did. I liked, um, I liked where it went. And um, weirdly, there's a great science fiction, really, really, one of the most disturbing science fiction books to have come out in the last um, 20 years or so was a teen book that became a big hit. It was on Audible. It's not right now. It'll come back. It was a bestseller, but it's called um, Unwind by Neil Schusterman. Um, and uh, it's basically about um, in the future, there is a war between people who are pro-life and pro-choice. And they end the war by coming to a um, an agreement that um, abortion is um, abortion itself is not legal, but you can choose at any point before your kid is 18 to unwind them, which is each part of them is diced up and put into someone else. So there's no loss of life. And the book follows three teens who've been targeted to be unwound. And it is a became this huge um, award winner. And gradually over the years became this big phenomenon. And they three more books in the series came out, but the first one is one to watch. Um, it's actually written by the guy, Neil Schusterman, who became famous for doing Animorphs, if anyone remembers Animorphs from oh, yeah. a long time ago. Um, who I remember Animorphs. Write, <laughs> I listened to Darker Stuff. I listened to um, Animorphs yes, on Bard. Yeah. What'd you say? <laughs> I listened to Animorphs on Bard like when I was a, yeah. a young and yep. That was. He's that. a great writer. I mean, he's. A, I mean, he just went on to do darker stuff. Yeah. And you know, also, I mean, again, I'll, I'll put a, I'll put a note in. I know everyone's read it, or if you haven't, it's worth. You know, I love Frankenstein. I mean, I really do love the novel Frankenstein, and I think it really is a, it's a really interesting book. Um, that you know, obviously, the movies are. I mean, so. so, so <laughs> oh, that's book. like the um, biggest horror story. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's yeah. yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, it's such a it's such a it's such an interesting way of looking at science and horror mix and i just find it um i just find it to be this underrated that's not the underrated, beginning of classic. horror it is it's yes i mean she's definitely um, the the you know the, the mother of horror so nobody um, has mentioned ray bradbury isaac asimov uh jules verne that's yes. some of my favorites. I mean, Bradbury. I mean, I love Bradbury. I mean, The Martian Chronicles. I mean, is I mean, yeah. amazing. I also will mention Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? You know, which Blade Runner was based on? Where again, like Philip K. Dick. I I love Philip K. Dick stuff, and and uh, and he was a big influence on me as well. So, there, so there's just too many people to to mention everybody because they're they're all on my list too. Larry right. Ellison. I I mean, Harry Ellison. Uh, Larry Niven. I, I love, oh. love his books. The Ring, Ring World series. So uh, Matt, do you like? Uh, I would think this would be up your alley. Uh, um, zombie stories, zombie books. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I am Legend. If you, you know, I mean, I think of it as horror, but I mean, like, I am Legend is one of my favorite novels of all time. Well, are, are you? Familiar and you know, with that's Black half zombie, Tide. half vampire. Are you familiar with the Black Tide Black, that... Rising series, John Ringo? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know the name. I haven't read it. I was going to say it. (laughs) J.D., you just stole my thunder. (laughs) You also remind me of a horrible sci-fi film. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so it's Black Tide Rising? Is that what we said? Black Tide Rising. That's the first book. And there's there's a a number of books in the series. Then also there's a collection of short stories written by different authors writing stories for that universe. 
Okay, I'm but buying the first one right now. So incredibly enjoyable, <laughs> very enjoyable books. And, yeah, and I love everybody that, kind of that goes are all on Bard. So I had a couple of questions about the, the reader does good. Yeah. So, oh, I just so to add, this is Sean. I went at a book, but I'll sorry. Oh no, you go for go for it. Um, I just wondered. Uh, have we just started Dune? We just read Dune, and. Um, We've started uh, an M.K. Jemison book, and I think after that, if we don't go back to the Dune Chronicles, we're going to possibly um, look at some other books, like the book called City in the City by Channel Meevil. And I'm just wondering if anybody's read any of the more modern, well, I guess Dune isn't modern, but City in the City is great. Dune, Dune mean, for me great. was really dense. I had a really hard time getting through Dune. But you I know, the first the, time I read Dune, first book I, didn't, the, sorry, I read it yeah. about a year ago and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. I had an interesting response to Dune. Like, I kind of thought that it, it dragged a little bit, and I thought it wrapped up a lot quicker than expected. Yeah. So There's a science fiction fantasy writer that I would like to mention. Uh, the first book I read of theirs was about 30-some-odd years ago. Uh, the author is Tannerith Lee, and uh, I think one of the books that's the most relevant to uh, to this group would be uh, a book that uh, was called Don't Bite the Sun. There's a couple of interesting concepts in there. Uh, a lot of political commentary of the uh, oh, 1980s and 1990s through uh, what's in the book. But one of the things is that humankind has uh, managed to take over the administration of purgatory. So when you die or uh, let yourself be killed so you can get a new one. You go to uh, to uh, purgatory, which they call something like uh, I forget a forbu or something like that. And uh, you can choose a new body, which you get to design yourself. And you go back and you use that uh, body until you die again, and then you go back. And uh, so a lot of people sounds weird to change genders at various times in uh, their uh, design of, of different bodies and so on. And it really was one of the uh, first books that, uh, in my view, in the science fiction world, uh, explored bisexualism in a uh, fairly interesting manner. Yeah, there's a book um, by, an, uh, I can't remember her the name, something, the, the Hand of Evil or something, where people are non-gendered, or they get to choose their gender. Uh, this is where I asked my husband, what is the, the, is it, who is the author? She's from Portland. It's the hand, the left hand of something. Oh, Ursula Le Guin. Ursula Le Guin, yes. She died last year, guys. Yeah, she well, did. Actually, so did, does anybody know Vonda McIntyre? She was my neighbor oh, in yeah. Seattle and she died last year as well. Oh, oh no kidding. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think this is a good time to open it up and ask um, people to talk about uh, their favorite books. In science fiction. So, uh, did anybody else want to get in there and talk about their favorite uh, authors or favorite books? Uh, I read Asimov Science Fiction Magazine. I've been reading it for years. You know what? I got to tell you a story about Asimov Science Fiction Magazine. Um, there's a, a there's a short story that was broken up into multiple parts and then turned out to actually be a full sized book written by Robert J Sawyer that I read in in that magazine in like 2006 or something like that. Um, it was part of the uh, WWW Wake series or Wake Watch and Wonder. I read the same thing. Yeah, wasn't that good? Oh, I read I read the whole series. It was part of our book club. Yeah. Um, 
you know, he's he's very good, Sawyer. It's, uh, but also, I um I've been reading Asimov since. Oh, I don't remember. I when it was in Braille, I used to read it. Matter of fact, they even wrote them a letter and they published it. That's awesome. Uh, don't forget analog. Science and analog and science fact and, magazine and there's analog, tons of, I, I, I read once i couldn't get into it so analog uh, you know i feel like analog and, and asimovs have separate have different styles of sci-fi yeah. but, oh, but they do but each yeah. each publication each magazine definitely has some duds and definitely has some really good ones it just depends um you know, mm. but there's also a lot of science fiction science fiction magazines that we don't get to read because they're not in audio format. Um, <clears throat> however, a lot of these stories that are meant uh, that are you know published in other print versions of sci-fi magazines, they can be heard on that Escape Pod podcast that that <clears throat> somebody else had mentioned earlier. So, um, if you like short science fiction stories, definitely go check out the Escape Pod podcast because there's stuff that that gets published in other places that we otherwise wouldn't get to hear. Yeah, and nice yeah, thing about, also, this is Wes. Uh, hey, Wes. Wes and I thought one thing I thought was interesting, which I kind of read once. I don't know. I'm probably seeing on this modern media CD or something years ago that I borrowed from the library. Thing is, kind of like where time travel came from. It's like it was a tool for authors to be able to set a story in a different setting in time. So it's like a literary tool for authors that can actually uh move their story to a different setting in time is what it came across once. It's kind of like where the idea of time travel originated. The course of years went on, we started doing technical to the time machines and stuff. I mean, that, that's something I kind of think I've seen once years ago, maybe even decades ago. Wow, <laughs> yep. that's pretty cool. Anybody yeah, else? Um, obviously, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court is, a, you know, Tom, yeah. Tom that's Mark Twain. Uh, I was going to, you mentioned Escape Pod. There's also the Imaginary World, Worlds podcast that I believe sometimes republishes some short science fiction. Yep. And then there's um, Starship, uh, Starship oh, what's it called? Sofa Starship or something like that, which is another um, sci-fi anthology podcast with um, audio. And then there's, I mean, there's so many. There's There's the truth, which often goes yep. into sci-fi or horror um, topics. Um, yep, they did. Uh, they're made of meat. I think I mentioned uh, on a recent one. Mm-hmm. And and there's another one that Matt might like called the No Sleep Podcast. Oh, I don't know that one. I've heard. I mean, the name rings about, but I haven't listened to it. Yeah, it's a, a horror horror anthology sci-fi or horror I, anthology podcast. Well, there's even a, a, a podcast that I was listening to on. Um, it was called. The Horror of Dolores Roach. Oh, wow. It's, it's like a... I don't know if anyone heard it. I haven't. No. Is it, it an audio drama? Is it, it an audio bad. drama? Or it, really is it, a- got, really, it really got gross in parts, though. <laughs> it, she was like the Sweeney Todd of uh, Manhattan. Is it an audio drama or is it an yeah. audio book? Yeah, you can go on po- Apple Podcasts and get it. It okay. has like two seasons. It's pretty good, but it really gets gro- gets gross in spots. <laughs> Well, thank you, Anne. I, I appreciate you mentioning that. That's cool. I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, and, but it gets really gross in spots. So if you have a weak stomach, I wouldn't. Sounds just great. Be careful. Uh, yep. Yep. Joke. <laughs> <laughs> any Anybody else have any books that they want to talk about? I do. Couple um, books is Leah. Leah. Um, yeah. There's a There's an author that I absolutely love. His name is Daniel Suarez. He actually went by the pen name of Leonard Zeris. So I initially thought he was like some kind of Russian guy. And it turns out he has, you know, 
Torres in his name. So it was like, whoa, ah. wait a minute. Why did his name change from but the book that I really love of his? It's called Damon, D-A-E-M-O-N. And from what I was reading earlier, just to try and get a synopsis to kind of formulate my thoughts is uh, Damon's is to the internet as Jaws is to the ocean. It's about this rich <laughs> dude that like builds all this computer software and stuff. And you guys were talking about Alexa earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, he has Damon's the first installment and there's a second one named Freedom that came out four years later. But it's about this cop that's following and trying to figure out how to un do what's being done because the day the, this guy died he had brain cancer this rich guy mm-hmm. oh, the day yeah. he died and the internet search the internet program of the Damon good. read his name all this stuff started happening all these little robots and stuff and all these cameras started focusing in on people and it could kill people and there were all these like robotic dogs that would come after people and just trying to solve everything so they could get it to undo itself but it became almost like a worm um, and then the second one is just, you know, continuation thereof that trying yeah. to get this guy's <clears throat> computer program, whatever. But the man's a really good novelist. He wrote something called a couple other ones, kill decision and flux change agent. They're all good. But Damon, I would definitely recommend people reading that and its sequel. It's really good read. I, I have homework for you, Leah, because I know what kind of okay. books and TV show you like. I, I know okay. that you're like, oh man, reading is such a pain in the butt sometimes. But you have I know, to, I'm that person that falls asleep when I read for some reason. You have to go read Ready Player One. That's that's your homework. I, All right. You gotta I do did, it. I did see the movie though, so I'm I got so that far. Yay. And I think now that I've seen the movie, I can go back and read the book and I probably will really like the book better. Well, and especially because you are like all about 80s nostalgia, I promise you, you're not going to fall asleep. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, there's only two books I haven't fallen asleep for, and that's Damon and the Da Vinci Code. Those are the only two since I'm an adult oh, <laughs> that I've not been able to like. You know, I couldn't put Da Vinci Code down for mm-hmm. to save my life, but that's neither here nor there. So, but that's my two cents. Awesome. Anybody else have books they want to expound about? About? Yeah, Jeff. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. A couple books. One I remember when I was a kid called uh, House of Stairs, and it's about um, this big, huge warehouse space that has nothing but little flights of stairs and landings. Mm-hmm. And and eventually it's filled like with four or five little kids, and they find each other, and then they have to work together to get food. And the food dispenser is conditions them to behave in certain ways by flashing colors. And if they, you know do what they're supposed to do they get food and basically it's the government trying to you know learn how to manipulate behavior and then after these kids are in here for uh, a year or so then the government lets them out and at the very end of the book they're released and they go out onto the street and they see a stop stoplight and they all start dancing because they see the green, yellow, and red light flickering. <laughs> oh. And that's that's what the food dispenser conditioned them to do. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> that's and, so weird. And, and another uh, trilogy that I liked when I was a young adult, the author was Roger Zelazny. Roger Zelazny. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a bunch of books. Courts, Courts of Chaos was the first yes. one. And then he wrote a whole bunch of others. And it was so good. It's about a, a family who they're like sorcerers, um, but they're like royalty. And so there's all this intrigue and infighting and, you know, they're kind of trying to knock each other off. And 
but yet they have these kind of mystical powers. And it always stuck with me. I've, I've read it several times through the years. Yeah, that's the Amber series. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then one last one that kind of stuck with me, it's called Dust, and it's on Bard. And it illustrates the concept of about every 50 million years, the planet resets itself. And this is what happens now. And so it's about civilization de-evolving and, um, you know, shutting down. And the scene takes place, you know, various points on Earth and then also the space station. And at the very end, the International Space Station, the people are seeing all the lights on the planet go out because everyone's dying. And then they're trying to figure out, so are we going to burn to death or are we going to starve to death? Because there's no one to bring food anymore and or fuel and uh right yeah because i was thinking oh well they're in space so they're doomed to survive and be the last two but they wouldn't because they no they they just it'll just take them longer to die because they don't have any new food exactly and they'll and they'll know that eventually they're going to fall out of orbit and burn up yeah that sounds really good i'll have to check that one out it's like the movie astra i haven't seen that one All right. Did anybody else want to get in on books? I got one more for you guys. Um, You guys know that uh, James Patterson has done a lot of sci-fi. Okay. And and which which specific book are you thinking of? I'm seeing if I can guess which one. Yeah, he switched over to doing some pretty cool sci-fi. I cannot remember the name of it. Oh. I was going to guess. It's not really sci-fi. It's more technology horror and like. Anti, like I don't know. It, there's a book called The Circle, or not The Circle. Um, The Store. That's a different book. Uh, the Store by James Patterson is about a company kind of like Amazon, um, doing some really nefarious things with their employees, like hiring them, <clears throat> hiring them, and then having them move into this town where everything is taken care of for you, but you don't really have any freedoms, and they're watching everything you do, and part of it's like conv- Amazon. Yeah, kind of like Amazon, but worse because I mean, parts of it were convenient, like things that that the store knows that you're short on peanut butter because it has eyes and cameras and scanners all over your house, so you just get new peanut butter. But they also like know everything you do and if you if you step out of line then you know things happen to you that was, was kind of you get on robots too i i just can't remember the name of it but it was <clears throat> yeah. oh uh bow down humans bow down that's the name of it. i just finished reading it a month couple of months ago hmm. i'll have to check that one out there's one last book i wanted to mention before we move on from books so if, it, if nobody else has anything they want to try to get in there I wanted to mention one last one, but did, does anyone have anything else? Does anyone remember The Giver? This is Sarah. The Giver? Yeah, I love The Giver. Yeah, I read that in school. That was that was one of those like sort of mandatory reads. And the movie that they did wasn't actually bad. They had a, a movie version of it that was modern. I heard. This is Wes. I saw nothing. I didn't know if there's a book about this, but I heard it as a radio play, and it got. A, and I have a CD of it as a radio play. I think a CD could work it on me. But the story is called A Logic Named Joe. And this is set back like in the 1940s or so when they're doing these radio plays. But basically, it's almost a freaky prediction of the Internet that, I mean, the Oxford guys, I mean, this is way before Internet or personal computers. But it's like it's so close to the Internet, it's freaky. And so about this company that puts out these little things to look like, I guess, like little TV sets, but they have keys instead of dials. 
and they call these things logics, and you take them home and you plug them into this jack, it gets in your house, and then it's done by wires lead to these big things like these data centers that they have where they kind of store a bunch of information on plates. And so you can ask this logic something, and then it would tell you. You know, it would go to all this these data centers, find the information for you, and tell you. And people are concerned. What about people ask you if they would tell you how to kill their wives and stuff like that? So all the concerns about the stuff giving incorrect information, and they say, oh, there's filters and stuff to keep people from doing that. But then because one of the logics had a malfunction, had defects, and what happened is one kid got this logic, and this logic gave information how to make like poison darts, stuff like this. And the show is about like this police officer detective that had to hunt this logic down, you know, and stop this kid that's guilty information on how to, you know, harm his parents, how to make poison darts and things through this logic. I mean, if you're here, it's just so freakishly close to the internet. It's just amazing. I love it when I love it when sci-fi does that when they predict things that are going to happen and they get it freakishly right. That's exactly happened with this thing. Has anybody else heard about this logic named Joe? I haven't. Anybody else? No, not I. <clears throat> All right, no. that's homework. We got to read okay. that. Got to find out this one. I mean, I don't know. It's a radio play. It's what it is. I don't know if it's a written version of it or not. Yeah, well, Google it. All right. So, um, I would like to move on to. Oh, I wanted to Elizabeth. mention one. Oh, was there somebody else? Yes, this is Elizabeth. I was hey, just curious. Elizabeth. Being from um, being from here, from New Mexico, is anyone familiar with? Tony Hillerman's books. He writes a lot of sci-fi, but they're they have to do with like native folklore too. I have not read any of his books. I'll have to check that out. He's a Native American author, but mm-hmm. um, like I said, uh, he has a series of about two two uh, cops, you know, that go and they have to solve all these uh, all these mysteries in in different books. But it does deal with the like the Navajo uh, folklore thing, and it's they're very interesting. They're very cool. Thank you for the recommendation. I'll, I'm going to go look for that and check it out because I like I, I like the idea of that. That sounds really good. And I'm glad that you were able to come to this because we talked last week, and I I was uh, hoping. Yeah, that you'd be I had here. a I had a problem log, logging in though. I don't know what the heck was wrong with my phone. Ah, well, I'm, I'm glad you figured it out. Uh, before we before we move on to LBGTQ. Uh, characters in sci-fi i just wanted to briefly mention a book that jd you mentioned john ringo earlier yes uh-huh. have you have you read the looking glass series by john ringo yes yeah. oh my god that is such a good series if anyone hasn't read it yet it's so worth it um it's it's about these uh these portals that show up all, all over um, all over the place that you basically allow people to travel the stars and travel from one place to another and the humans uh, end up traveling through these portals and checking out space and they have a a basically a retrofitted nuclear submarine that submarine. has been turned into a spaceship and it's so good the scene in the second book called the Vorpal Blade where they're about to launch and they're in the ocean and the Russians are nearby somewhere in a submarine and they they say, okay, what we're going to do is we don't want any hit by our ship. So as we're taking off, we're going to blast the final countdown through our sonar speaker system and all the whales and dolphins and stuff will get out of our way. So they blast the song and the Russians are like, 
what is that music? And then the spaceship like hurdles through the ocean and up into the sky and into space and through the portal. And I just thought, that would be such a cool opening to this movie if they ever made it into a movie. <laughs> that would, because when you mentioned it, I was thinking, oh, I love when the, the submarine took off. Yeah. So, yes, that's a memorable scene. <laughs> and there's all kinds of pop culture me- references in it, and there's all kinds of sci- like military yeah. sci-fi humor in it. Uh, like, there's one scene where somebody... Uh, I don't know exactly, I can't remember exactly what they were doing wrong, but somebody suggested, well, maybe you should try using some ID10T fluid on it. Think about it, ID10T, if you spell it out like words. That's an ID10T error. Yeah, it's an idiot, it's an idiot fluid. I love that. I love that phrase. Yes. Okay, so getting into LBGTQ in sci-fi, I will just, we're running out of time and we only have about 15 minutes left or so so i'm going to give mine jd you give yours and matt you give <laughs> yeah, yours it's going to be the same one yep. i bet so okay uh all right it, 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 all right at the count of three you tell me which one it is three character two or real name what character oh <laughs> character character three two one captain oh, jack captain jack <laughs> from doctor who i met him Yes, I love him yeah, too. I know you did. Shut up. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> did he have white hair when you met him, or did he still have black hair? He had brown hair. Or brown. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Because he has yeah. white hair now. Really? Yeah. I looked at his Does Instagram. Does it make him look old? I don't know if it's because he made it that way or if it's because he's gotten older. Um, but No, when- no, no. He 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 died it for some... I, I can't remember because yeah, I just saw a picture it. of him. Yeah, and yeah. it was all of a sudden because it was brown one day and boom. Yeah, and I wondered so, what what, yeah. what that was all about. Probably for something. Yeah, <laughs> not enough vitamin D in his diet. <laughs> so, so the other um oh, and Matt, did you have any characters in the LBGT spectrum that you wanted to mention? Sorry, not not characters. I was going to mention a science fiction novel called Ammonite by Nicole Griffith, which is just um, it's basically a novel that actually has no men in it, but about a woman who goes to a planet that is only inhabited by women and is just a it's like an action adventure uh, novel, but it is. Um, you know, obviously very, uh, very gay friendly and just, that's awesome. I have, I have so many things to read. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, there was a book called the Falcon banner and it was written by a guy named Christopher P. Leiden. And I don't know if there's an audio book version of this book. However, there's an audio drama of it and our very own Chris Snyder plays a part in this audio drama. It's about a guy named Darian who um, was a cop, and I forget exactly what happens, but he, he basically gets sick of how things are on Earth, and so he ends up leaving, and he kind of gets sucked into this whole sort of uh, space opera mission sort of thing, and he ends up acquiring or becoming captain of a ship, and the chief engineer, played by Chris Snyder, is uh, Elias, and he is the um, he, you know, he he becomes the uh, love interest of this captain, and um, it was it was just a really good story and uh, well worth the read, and also the audio drama of it was really good. So if you look for cool. the Falcon Banner and then Darker Projects, which is the audio drama company that made it, that's that's another thing that you, worth looking at. Did anybody else have any um, LBGTQ characters that they wanted to talk oh, about? Yeah. Lost Girl with Bo and uh, Dr. Lewis or Lauren. Bo plays a bisexual succubus 
who basically, you know, she's trying to come to terms with, like I had said earlier when we were talking about TV shows, but her and Dr. Lauren, when Dr. Lauren goes to examine her because they don't know what she is, Dr. Lauren's like looking at her and there's like this energy between her and Dr. Lauren, but then there's also another gentleman named Dyson who she's into too. So she kind of like goes back and forth depending on what season it is and who she's like, you know, hot and heavy with, but very good characters and the way they interact and whatnot. That's so, so that cool. My vote. I, I found out where the lightning Joe is. It's written by this Murray Lynster, M-U-R-R-A-Y-L-I-N-S-T-E-R. <laughs> okay. It was first published in the March 1946 issue of Astounding Science Fiction. That's when it first appeared. So it did come as a written short story. And then it became an audio drama. Okay. Eventually, gotcha. like in 1950... X minus one and Dimension X had X Dimension X published it as a radio play in 1950, and X minus one then played it in 1955. I will definitely look that up because that that sounds like an interesting uh, radio drama, and i i want to I want to listen to that. Yeah, it's a short story by this Murray Lanster that that came up with this. So it's yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool read. So I had a few other um, LBGTQ characters that I could think of. Um, Jadzia Dax from Deep Space Nine. So sure. she, Dax is a slug, um, you know, like a parasitic creature uh, that lives in a host. Like uh, it's a symbiotic relationship. And so the host is a uh, trill. And uh, sorry, no, sorry, I got that wrong. But anyway, the, the trill is a symbiotic creature. And the hosts that, you know, house these worms, they kind of like uh, think of it as like a badge of honor that they sort of take them on as like a thing to be honored for doing. Uh, but you kind of blend your personality with the symbiotic host and you're not really you anymore. Uh, and they sort of live inside of you well uh, jadzia dax's wife she gets moved into a male body and so their romance is technically homosexual or a female body so their uh romance is uh technically lesbian or homosexual and i thought that was really cool i used to watch watch deep mm-hmm. space nine i don't remember that i, I think geordie from um star trek the next generation was gay i don't know i, I don't know, know if that blind. was ever i don't know if that was ever confirmed i think maybe Jordy had issues with women. Uh, like he never really had a very strong love romance, and there were a couple of stories about him falling in love, but there was nothing, nothing major. There was another one uh, that I thought might have been gay, but uh, it turns out that he wasn't because he, he just was shy around women. But uh, Ensign Harry Kim, uh, I thought maybe in the beginning of the series that maybe he might have been gay, but it was just that he was bad with he was bad with romance. If you go back through a lot of classic science fiction, you'll you'll see a lot of different tropes of, of uh, LGBT, though they, might, they weren't stated as such. They were, they were either subtle or even aliens with, with uh, different sexes or transsexual or, you know, so many different things that are in so many. Even um, I, I mentioned Larry Niven. And one thing I liked about like the Ringworld series and, and other Larry Niven books is they have this thing it's a it's a uh, a doctor basically an automated you know if you're hurt whatever you fall into it and it'll just completely rebuild you if necessary but you could also use it to change anything about you you could grow wings if you want you can change the color of your skin 
or you can change your your sex. And it was normal for people to do, do that. They could live for 50 years as a male and live for 50 years more as a female and then change again and, and do whatever they want. And that, that mm. it's common in a lot of science fiction. So science fiction has been pushing sort of the LGBT envelope amongst mainstream for quite a while. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder if the um, on, Martians in the Martian Chronicles were gay because they, they killed all the men. <laughs> <laughs> who, who knows? <laughs> There's a lot of speculation in, in sci-fi about, about sexuality. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not really spelled out. But it's alluded to. So what about Xena? Yeah, like Xena. Like, well, there was. I know. How could we forget about Xena, the oh, warrior yeah. princess? You know, well, yeah, she was cool. Well, technically not sci-fi. That definitely yeah. deserves a nod for sure. Absolutely. Just like Frankenfurter is not really sci-fi, but it's not really <laughs> not sci-fi. So true. true yeah. Don't like Canada talking again. Um, there's a TV series. I presume you guys get it too, called Orville. Oh, oh yeah! yeah. Horrible. There's the main gay characters in it. They're yeah. husband and husband, and they're really quite <laughs> odd. Like for instance, their eating habits: they eat glass and cactus and. No, and I love it when they try to make him eat all kinds of weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. So a hilarious spoof of. Of Star Trek, I think, is what they were trying to trick. Donald, yeah. I'm really glad that you mentioned the Orville because I'm really kicking myself for not mentioning the Orville. Um, in a time where we don't really have old school style Star Trek, you know, next generation Deep Space Nine Voyager mm-hmm. style Star Trek, we have sort of a, a bastardized mm-hmm. version of it in Discovery and uh, Picard, and they're okay in their own right, but they're not what we had what we were used no, to and not. but then again neither was the next mm. generation i'm sure there are plenty of disgruntled original series people that thought that you know the original series was oh they're just trying to modernize it well they were their uniforms so, they were everything yeah why is the captain okay. wearing a well, red shirt when he can't do well, a french that. accent at all fair yeah, they did that from next gen. The original, the motion picture to Star Trek Two, though, right? They kind That's of true. It was That's 70s fair. in motion picture, and then it became very 80s corporate in the next one, right? Yeah. So I wonder. Yeah. Um, I didn't think about that, but you're right. And I wonder what people thought when they saw the first red shirt on a captain. Like what? Oh yeah. Why change the color schemes? They were just ridiculous. <laughs> but um, yes, so I, has anybody seen Galaxy Quest on that? Oh. No? Yes. Oh, I, mean, I, I don't know if that's come that. up yet. I love that. Oh, that's such a good movie. And I, I, I'm just so glad that we have Donald. Thank you. Cause I'm glad that we have the Orville to sort of take the place of what, what we're missing as far as Star Trek and the old style that it was. I just thought of, you mentioned sort of crossover or sort of on the boundary of science fiction or maybe near science fiction. It reminded me of a couple of things. One was a movie called Black Moon Rising about this supercar that ran on hydrogen in the 80s. And similarly, a Blue Thunder uh, that came out in the 80s about the 1980 Olympics. That was a great movie. Blue Thunder, great movie. Yeah, yeah it's, but it's sort of near science. I mean, today it feels like reality, honestly, but mm-hmm. it, at the time it was near science fiction. And it's, does anyone oh, yeah, have with any all the cameras and the. Me? Yeah, I haven't seen also, that, but I'll have to check it out. There was another That's movie. Pretty cool with movie, though. Magnum P.I., the guy who played Magnum P.I. in it about. Uh, Tom Selleck. Or, yeah, Tom Roy Shire was the main actor. Yeah, in, in Blue it? Thunder. There, at the same time, there was this movie about uh, police officers. Uh, I think that the gimmick was they had bullets that could turn corners. Uh, what was the name of that movie? But there was a series of. Sort oh, of yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, God, what was that? Yeah, I know which yeah, one you mean. Robocop? Yeah. No, it wasn't no. Robocop. It was before Robocop, which is kind of, it is more fiction-y science fiction. But I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> Runaway. <laughs> what was it called? Runaway. It's about okay. this cop, I guess, some, but some evil dude was like putting special chips and all these robots that people, you know, were that using. The needle spider robot stuff. things? Yeah, and then, but it but these chips are turning these robots evil where they start killing killing people. Mm-hmm. And villains had like this gun that had like these bullets that like little miniature missiles that could actually, you know, lock in onto your body's uh, heat signature yeah. and would chase you down and go around corners. So I think the reason I brought it up is sort of at the end that it's not what we'd call science science fiction, but it's on that verge of it's almost reality because like Blue Thunder today is today in some weird ways with the surveillance today state. they have everything that blue thunder had on it but just that yeah. they have more they can look they yeah. can see what's going on on the ground with the helicopters and they just don't have guns uh, uh, they don't have armed police helicopters that's what blue thunder was i mean night rider was sort of i get well night rider was more science fiction i suppose and there was a like in the 80s there was that tv series probe that was kind of that was very science fictiony but also not it was Stuff yeah, sort of on the edge. You you have all kinds of shows and and stuff that sort of straddle the line between sci-fi mm-hmm. and not sci-fi. Well, guys, yeah, but it, that is legitimate sci-fi. So yeah. yeah, yeah. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to go ahead and and drop the feed to ACB Radio and thank everyone for listening to our presentation on science fiction. And um, <clears throat> we'll be back next week with yet another presentation. And I believe that one, don't quote me on this, but I believe they're going to be talking about romance. So if you're into romance in movies, TV, and literature, then that might be worth checking out next week. All right, we're going to go ahead and drop the feed, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>